0: Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, B.C. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, this is a great day, a day to celebrate, and uh, the video that you just saw will be living on our website as an introduction to who we are. And, and I hope for those of you that are joining us at Welcome Home Sunday, uh, who haven't been with us over the last many months or through the summer, you'll get the picture. The picture is that the coastline of Vancouver Island literally outlines the mission of God that he's given to our church. And we believe that God has called us to make a difference on this island. And so we don't just pray for a neighborhood. We don't just pray for a city. We don't just pray for a region, but we pray for our island. And we believe that God has a plan and he wants to use us to make a difference on this island. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Lord, lead us as we desire to be your people. We desire to truly be your hands and your feet on this great island. We thank you for our island, and together we pray, oh God, pour your blessing, pour your spirit. Minister, Lord, to those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are far from God. And Lord, we believe that you are doing something amazing on this island, and you have put it in our hearts to simply be a part of that. And so we give you praise today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you would have heard the song that was just sung prior to the video, House of Miracles. And you know, it's interesting because as we stand here today with the long history of 99 years of Coastline Church, as we look back, we can truly say that God has been moving in tremendous ways throughout the generations. In fact, our church was born out of miracles. It really was. In 1923, when God moved in our city through Dr. Char- Charles S. Price and the city was shaken, I'll talk a little bit about that in just a few minutes. This house of miracles was born. And um, I had the privilege of sitting with Joan Goodwin before she died at 104. She was our oldest member. She just passed away recently. And she told me about her father being healed. In an evening service, when they had come to the fish and chip shop, and he was prayed for, and his he had, you know, something in his stomach, maybe it was cancer, they didn't know at the time, but God healed him, and that's how their family came into, the way she said it is, that's how we came into Pentecost, we believed in divine healing, God did a miracle in my family. And uh, Joan has gone to be with the Lord, but before she passed away, we just put an audio recorder in front of her and let her tell us a few stories. And someday we'll get to share those stories with you. Because God have really has done something tremendous over the many years of, of this great church uh, through all of its history. And so I want to talk to you about the church as a home. You know, this series is actually called We Are Coastline, and we'll be staying in that series for a long time. We'll be using Isaiah 61 sort of as a guide, which is a wonderful place. If you want to read there, you can, Isaiah 61. But before I begin that, I just, I just want to say that t- today's title, if you will, is We Are Home. It's Welcome Home Sunday, and we are home. And, and I think that theme really rings true. Home is belonging. Home is a place of comfort. Home is where you find rest. Home is where you find refreshment. Home is where you can come together with those that you love. And we are home. But when we think about this house, this house of miracles, if you will, the, our home, this house of miracles, I really want to make two statements that I believe ring true from the beginning of our church until now and forward. And that's simply that this this home is to be a home for the miracle of salvation. This is a home where people come to know the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, Isaiah 61.1, which is where I want to start today, says this, and I want to remind you that in Luke 4, Jesus quoted this about himself, says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. And it goes on. And Jesus in Luke 4 reads the next verse as well, which we'll look at in the weeks to come. But this was about his ministry. And then when he read those two verses, he rolled up the scroll and he said this, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring these kind of miracles, the brokenhearted being healed, the, those who are, uh, are, are captive to be released. And, and so as his followers, what we understand is that we're his hands and feet at work. That's why we have to carry a passion. We have to carry a call to this island because we're supposed to be the ministry of Jesus here. And so understand this, Coastline Church. The Holy Spirit is on you and he has anointed you to preach the good news to the spiritually impoverished and to bind up those who need emotional healing, to proclaim freedom for those who live in a dark prison of sin and guilt and shame. This is what a home for salvation looks like and our promise as as leadership Is that we'll always make a place for people to come home to Jesus. We'll always do that. Because Jesus said, it's the good shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes to look for the one. And so, you know, we have no idea who God will bring to us. Sometimes you do because you bring your friends, you bring somebody. But isn't it so wonderful to say, without a doubt, this is a place where you can find freedom. This is a place where you can find hope. This is a place where you can find the embrace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we'll be looking more at Isaiah 61 in the weeks to come because we really see that it's a path. It's a path for the vision and the calling, the mission that God has given us. And we really say it this way, that God has called us to see lost people saved, to see saved people pastored, to see pastored people trained, and to see trained people mobilized. That's the call of God upon this house. And that's because it begins with a miracle of salvation. And why do I say it's a miracle? (laughs) Because the Bible tells us that it's only when the Holy Spirit speaks to someone's heart that they'll actually say, Jesus is the Lord. It's, only, it's, a, it's a divine work of God. It's a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. And the longer we live in this cultural climate, the more we realize how in the world could anyone come from this you know, frame of reference and this cultural mindset into the family of God, into the body of Christ. It's a miracle, friends. So we believe in the miracle of salvation. The other part that I want to share with you, and this is where I'll spend the rest of my time, is is we're a home. We're a home for the miracle of salvation, but we're also a home for the miracle of revival. Uh, I grew up in Pentecostal churches. I'm a Pentecostal kid. I'm 48 now, so I really can't say that. But I was a Pentecostal kid. I grew up with conversations about revival. I never saw much, but I heard about it a lot. But I want you to know that there is a renewed conviction in the heart of your pastor. There's a new and renewed sense in the atmosphere that God is doing something. And I, for a long time, said I don't want to just talk about revival. When it comes, it comes. We've talked about it too long. When it happens, it happens. But I feel the Spirit of God saying we need to talk about this again because faith is rising, people are believing, and God wants to pour out his Spirit. Let me give you a a definition of revival from Charles Finney, one of the great revivalists. He says revival, he said, he's long gone now, but he said revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's the giving up of one's will to God in deep humility. That's revival. I've been reading this week about revivals. I read about our revival. Read quite a bit. There's not a lot about it, to be honest. It was kind of the forgotten revival of the West Coast. But I read about it, and I also read about the Hebrides revival that was kind of 1949 to 1953. And these were kind of a group of Scottish islands where God really moved. One is called the Isle of Lewis. I don't know if that rings a bell for any of you who have studied revival. But there was, a, there was a, a man named Duncan Campbell, and I have his book, uh, his uh, a biography of him. And Duncan Campbell talks extensively about his work there. He was one of the leaders of that move. He was called to preach when God started to move. And he said people would get saved on the way to the meetings. They didn't even get there to hear the gospel, and the reality of God had hit their lives. He told one story about a minister in his community who was at his house, and in walks a man to sit down, and he's a mess, and he says, what? I've never seen you at any of the meetings. Why are you here at my house at this late hour? And he said, "He said, no, no, I've never been to any of your meetings. I've never been to church. I was walking from work, walking home, and I felt God as real in my heart. I sat down in my house, turned on the lamp beside me. A a fly was buzzing around, and I felt like God said, that's you. You're getting too close to the flame, and if you're not careful, it's going to burn you. And I knew I needed to come and get my life right with God. When God uses a fly buzzing around a lamp, that's revival, friends. But that's what I mean about the atmosphere. There's something about it when God just says it's time, and the atmosphere is changing. And, and yes, there's things we can do. We're going to talk about that. But in this Hebrides revival, there was these women in their '80s, two of them, one was blind and one was bent over at the waist so bad they could barely move. And they were torn up inside because, because of the war. It's 49 now. Because of the war, all the young people left, and the churches were emptied. There were no young people. And they were praying, and they got a vision of their church, their church full of young people. And so they began to pray. And, and, and they called the pastor, and the pastor started to pray. And they got people together. They started to pray, and God moved in 1923, I don't know what led up to the revival here. In fact, there's very little other than the Methodist minister going to Roseburg, Oregon to see Dr. Charles Price in action and inviting him to come with the, with the invitation of the ministerial. But in April of 1923, Dr. Charles Price arrived and began to preach. And they were fitting 3,000 people into the Metropolitan United Building, which is the, what's it called now, Lisa? The Performing Arts Center right there. Alex Goulden Hall is what it's called now, but it used to be the Methodist Church. It's literally down the street. And they they would get as many as 3,000 in there, 2,000 in the building, and then another 1,000 in the surrounding areas. And they just said it's way too small. So they went to what was known as the Willow Arena at the time, and they were filling it up. And it it would seat 6,000, but they were putting 9,000 in it, and they were turning 4,000 away. And this was night after night for months. And, and these revivals lasted for actually more like a month. And, 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 and they were powerful. There was, see, there was uh, massive salvations in our city. Hundreds and hundreds came to Christ. There were divine healings that are on record. Um, uh, one of the uh, ministers was healed from a goiter that was so large that it was causing him to choke. And one young woman who was the daughter of a minister was healed uh, from a crippled condition. And those are two key moments where the news and the media got involved, and the news spread across British Columbia. And because of the revival here, a a revival was then um, held, revival meetings were then held in Vancouver with great results. Great results. And, and so it came from here to there, which is quite, quite significant. But when I'm reading Dr. Charles' notes, what I've discovered is that the thing that was the most precious to him, and this I believe is insightful for us, church. So the thing that was the most impressive to him was one night after one of these um, events, they had three services um, at the arena. He comes out the door and there's a, there's a contingent of, of Chinese men there with the police commissioner. They say, there's a theater in Chinatown that's absolutely packed full of Chinese, and they're waiting for you. And remember, this was like, you know, building the railroad, come from China. Like, our Chinatown is the oldest in Canada because people came here to help build the railroad. So there were hundreds of Chinese in this building. And Dr. Charles Price comes in. They sing a few songs. He preaches, and he says, if any of you want to receive Christ— Simply raise your hand and all 400 raise their hand. And then after those 400, they come down, they pray for them, they all leave. Then comes in 400 women, preaches again, all 400 receive Christ. They leave, another group of men come in, all 400. So there was literally four groups that came through and he led them all to Christ. It was a powerful move of God. And it wasn't just for the Caucasian Canadian. God had a plan. God had a plan. And I just believe this is a word from the Lord. This next move of God is going to be multi-ethnic. Because God's been moving all over the world. And since 1923, since Azusa Street in the early 1900s, the fire has spread. It's spread through Latin America. And we have Brazilians here who can tell the story of what God has done in Latin America. Spread across India, powerful move of God throughout India. Um, God has been moving across the globe. Uh, Friends of ours who are from Africa, from Ghana, from Nigeria, from other nations, great moves of God there over the last 50 years. And, and now what's happened is, is God is bringing them back along with Iranians who are in a revival right now. And our Filipino brothers and sisters who are so, uh, so beautifully among us. And, and not to mention the Chinese. Did you know that the underground church in in China is so large that by 2050, China will be the largest Christian nation in the world? Completely underground. See, God is moving, friends. And, and then you look at a city like ours, and you even look at a congregation like ours. It's diverse, culturally diverse. God is actually bringing people from all over the world here. And what are they doing? Well, we have, a, we have an ancient fire from 1923 that we say, hey, look at this flame. They go, I saw God move 40 years ago in my, in my world. Or I, I, 25 years ago, you should have seen what God did. Or 10 years ago, or last year before we came, here's what God did. And, and God is bringing those pictures together for a move of God. Now, I really believe this. I really believe this. And so that DNA is coming together. I'm expecting a multi-ethnic move of God in cities like ours, in cities like this one where that's very prominent. I just was talking to a friend last night who told me that there are, there are cities, Pastor Neela, did you know this, in like Whitehorse, that, that, they, that the churches are almost completely full of Filipinos. <laughs> that, that Whitehorse itself, its population is almost half Filipino. I mean, God is bringing people here, and he's, and he's moving through them. So, friends, let's get ready. There's something powerful happening, and it's, it's not just a white movement, hey? God is up to something. Don't pass me by, Lord, but come on. Yes, Lord, bring it. Bring it. Let's go. Have you ever had a touch from God? Ever had like felt moved in your heart, maybe in worship, or or you know, maybe you just had an impression, or you feel like you maybe you heard God's voice in your heart, or or you felt his presence and it was so real? Well, that's that's what's known as the subjective personal moving of God. It's you personally, God touching you, speaking to you because he's good and he loves you, and you've experienced his power in those moments. But revival. Revival is when the personal and subjective move of God that's happening right here in me shifts, and it shifts to an objective, public moving of God. It's like God just takes the can- camera lens and kind of zooms out, and all of a sudden, the community is in his view. All of a sudden, the community is receiving the, the, the presence of God into their lives, And I believe that that's what God wants to do. People in our streets feeling moved to get right with God, believing all of the sudden that God is real, that I believe, and and asking, what do I need to do to be saved? Imagine, imagine your coworkers actually feeling like, I think God is speaking to me. Imagine your roommates saying, I know God is doing something in my life. Imagine, imagine people on the street walking in these doors simply because God said something to them and they knew they needed to get here to find truth and healing. I like what Duncan Campbell, the one who led this Hebrides revival said, he said, revival is a community saturated with God. The road and the hillside become sacred spots to many when the winds of God blow. Revival is a going of God among his people, an awareness of God laying hold of a community. Friends, I believe for it. I want it. I'm hungry for it. Why not? I said this at first Wednesday. Why not now? Why not us? Why not these moments? God, do it again in our day. Why not? Why, why wouldn't it be? And can not just say, wouldn't it be so much fun? Yes. Wouldn't it just be a wonderful gift to see God moving in our cities? Come on, let's believe for that. Yes. It takes faith, friends, for us to actually say that. We're kind of like, oh, I don't know. You know what's going on in our city? Why not now? Why not now more than any other time? Why not God move now among us? I want to look at a passage with you, and it's one that God's been speaking freshly to me. It's very familiar to any of you who have been churchgoers a long time. If you've ever been to a prayer meeting, it's probably been read there. But I want to look at it with you in a fresh way because I really think that God is stirring our hearts and that God is up to something, that God really wants to move. And I want to give you a context for why I believe this time is so critical. So we're going to look all the way back to 2 Chronicles 7. And in this place, Solomon has just dedicated the temple. Uh, it's the first major temple, the one that uh, David wanted to build, but his son Solomon had to build. And God comes and, and ministers to them, and God speaks to them. And here's what God says in verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no, no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. I want you to I want you to catch what's going on here. When when things go wrong, when things are messy, when things are complicated, when there's problems, when there's difficulties, when there's national concerns, when there's drought, when there's famine, when there's financial difficulties, when there's plague, I want you to think about where we have been the last two and a half years. I mean, there has been physical drought across the U.S. and in different places, uh, followed by flooding. (laughs) But there's also been an incredible spiritual drought in our world. Is this a time when it feels like maybe the heavens are shut up and there is no rain? I mean, he talks about locusts. Of course, that's not our main concern. Locusts is devouring the land, but we do have financial difficulties. There's rising interest rates. There's a housing crisis. There's a recession. There's a war in Europe. And when it comes to plagues, didn't we just come through and hopefully, God willing, we're at the tail end of a pandemic? Friends, this verse fits with where we are. So what do we do? The next verse says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That verse has been made new in my heart because I feel like God, you made a promise. You're a promise keeper. Your word is not just a, you know, a voice text message or a a, a voicemail or a a, a a good idea or a thought for the day. It's a promise. It's a promise. And so, friends, we stand in verse 13 with, without rain, without, you know, with, with, with financial difficulties, with recession, with pandemic, with plague. And so, God says, if my people, who are called by my name. Okay. What this is saying to us is change rests on us, Friends. When these things are happening, change rests on the people of God. God says, my people, not the politicians, not the social media influencers, not the the life coaches. He says, if my people who are called by my name will do something. And we have a sense, we have a, a sense of the injustice in our world. And we say, this world needs to get it right. No church, no church. We can't tell the world to get it right until we do what we're called to do as the people of God. Why would the world get it right without the church getting it right? If my people who are called by my name, God wants to move, but we have to change our focus from survival to revival. That has to take place in us. We're his people. We're the agents of change. And so what happens in that, moving from survival to revival, is I stop just thinking about my calendar and my Instagram feed and my work and my needs and my own concerns. And there's a paradigm shift from me to we and from we to all as God would move in this city. How do we do that? It starts with humbling ourselves. Friends, it starts with humbling ourselves. You know, I find, it, I find it challenging to admit when I'm wrong, especially when Lisa's right. Oh, that stings. It takes humility. It's a key, friends. I, admitting that I'm wrong really is a key to a healthy relationship with Lisa. And, and friends, when it comes to our spiritual lives, humility looks like simply saying, God, I, I need help. Humility says, God, we can't do this on our own. There's nothing in our human ingenuity that's going to fix the problems we're facing. God, I don't see any way out of this mess that our world is in. I'm humbled before you. And people will say to me, Andy, we should do something about the state of things in our world. And I agree, we should. We should humble ourselves before our God. We should get on our knees and we should pray. We should say, God, we're so helpless without you. And then we'll wait on him and he'll give us direction. We need divine direction. We need humility before action. And so when God, when when things are desperate, God says, humble yourself, humble yourself. And he says, pray and seek my face. This verse is familiar to us, but this is the calling on him to move, the pouring out our hearts to him, the longing and the yearning for him with an affection and with purpose. I want to seek his face. Why? Because, Because I'm willing to search. I'm willing to search that he would be found. I'm willing to search to hear his voice through the noise of my world and my culture. I'm willing to seek his face. Susanna Wesley had 15 children, six died as infants. One was blind and one was crippled. Her husband abandoned her. Two times her house burned down, lost everything she owned. She had chronic health trouble, and as a result, she was strapped with debts. But she had a heart after God. And she knew she could pray if she couldn't do anything else. And so she, she set up a chair in the corner of her kitchen and in the midst of the busyness of the house she would pull her apron over her head. (laughs) And she said, when I'm, when my apron is over my head, I'm in the place of prayer, don't bother me. And, And, and record says that she determined to pray two hours every day. I'm certain she didn't pray two hours, you know, without interruption, but she found the space to pray, to seek his face. And, you know, she lived a very humble life her whole life until she died. Didn't see much fruit of those prayers, but two of her sons did. Her two sons were named John and Charles Wesley. And John preached, and Charles wrote the songs. <laughs> and together they saw tens of millions of people come to faith in Christ. That's the power of prayer, right? That's why we seek his face. That's why we pray. We may not see it, but it's coming. God is working. And like Lisa said, when it comes to our giving, this is our time to carry it. In prayer, this is our time to carry it. Did you know prayers don't expire? It's like adding to the bank account. God's heard them all for a hundred years. And he's going to pour his spirit out, friends. He's going to do something. That's why we're meeting again weekly on Tuesdays for prayer at noon. And, and I just want to testify. We've been praying for our West Shore campus. And God provided a temporary space. And we said, okay, Lord, thank you. We've been doing double services. We can fit 140 in here and they're doing double services and packing the place out. Well, I just want you to know that on Thursday, I signed the lease for Belmont School (laughs) and we're going back on October the 2nd with room for everybody and lots of classroom space. And we're just so grateful because God is moving. Pray and seek his face. And it says, turn from our wicked ways. You know, I'm not sure that shame and guilt does anything good for us at all. And I think God wants to remove it. So I'm not here to shame anyone. But how many of you know, we need a continual turning back to God. We just need that in our lives. A time to reset. A time to look again and say, that's not what I should be doing or that's not what God wants for me. One account from the Hebrides revival that I read this week was that they were together in a prayer meeting, a bunch of young men, and, and one of them was a deacon. And he 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 stood up and he addressed the gathering and he read from uh, Psalm 24. And it says, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol Or swear by a false god. And here's what what he said. I I wrote it here so I could quote it. He said, brethren, that's how they talked in 1949. It just seems to me to be so much humbug to be waiting and praying as we are if ourselves are not rightly related to God. And then lifting his hands toward heaven, he cried, oh God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And he got no further, the story says, because he fell to the floor under the power of God. An awareness of God filled that barn, and a stream of supernatural power was let loose. That's what the story says. This was a new sphere of God relationship. God realization. Duncan Campbell says that this was the moment when the revival began because of repentance that was fueled by a hunger for more of God. That's what was going on in their hearts. We do need a continual returning, continual returning to God. Now this verse says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face. It says, if, and then it says, then. Then I'll hear from heaven. Then I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. It's an if and a then. And I want to be careful here because what the Bible, it's not just saying that, you know, this is a good idea. This is a promise from God, but I don't want us to get this one wrong. This is not contractual. I do so then God does. If it's working that way, it won't last long. It's not contractual. God is speaking out of love. This is about love. This is God saying, if you will do these things, then I can actually do what I've always been longing to do. I want to do this, but I'm held back because my people aren't seeing their role in the current situation. Friends, I'm so hungry for a move of God. It's so hungry. Coastline Church is, really, it's just a, A moment in time where we're saying, God, we are this new wineskin. Pour out something new. You're doing something new as we sang. And I'd like the team to come and just get ready to sing that we need revival again. But I just wonder if maybe today is a day for Coastline Church to raise their expectation of faith that God is up to something in this day, that it is closer now than it's ever been, that God wants to move and renew and send revival to us His church. I wonder if we can believe that together today and not just a sense that, yeah, yeah, God has done it and God can do it, but how about that God is about to do it, that God is ready to do it. And let's respond as his people. Let's do what we can do. Let's do what God said so that he can bring what he has promised. I just, I just feel like it is a t- it's time for a new courage in the church. New courage to believe, to pray, to seek God. A new courage to stand in a place of readiness. A new empowering by the Spirit. A new outpouring of salvation and grace. We can't open the heavens. But God wants to. God wants to. So let's pray together. Let's start together now. Lord, we're here in this house. And Lord, we believe. We believe that this is a brand new season of your goodness. Father, would you help us to have faith to truly believe? And I pray for that one. We talked about the 99 and the one. Maybe there's someone here today. And what you need to do is you need to give your life to Christ. Maybe you're like those ones that we were discussing in the in the annals of history. You just feel like God has been speaking to you and today is your day. Receive Christ. Receive his love. Receive his forgiveness. Receive a, a, a clean slate from sin and shame and guilt today. Receive that for yourself. And together, Lord, we proclaim as a church family, Lord, move in our day. Lord, elevate our faith. God, we humble ourselves before you, not just in this moment, but in so many moments to come. Lord, we just say it again and again. God, we don't have any idea what to do. We have, we see the state of our world. We see the need of our culture. We see the brokenness of our our civilizations. And we say, God, we're humbled before you. Please help. Please help, please God help. Lord, we pray, calling upon your name, we seek your face and we will gladly search for you. And Lord, we ask you to reveal to us, show us, are our hands clean, are our hearts pure? Are there things that need to change? Give us conviction. And give us a path to believe that you're at work right now, drawing us near. Oh God, send revival, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.